Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. But if you're ready to level up your life and get results that truly matter in your health, business, mindset, and relationships, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Sheer Madness, where we have unscripted, real conversations with the world's top athletes, entrepreneurs, and coaches. Discover real-world and tactical advice from the best in the business. Let's go. Today, I have with me Christine, who is a registered dietitian here with the Rachel Shear Nutrition Practice. And today, we're going to be diving into all things hormone, answering all of your nutrition questions, talking a bit on gut health and functional medicine testing that we do here at Rachel Shear Nutrition. So getting started here, Christine, can you tell everyone a little bit about your background, your schooling, and what got you into nutrition in the first place? Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So kind of a little background on my story. I grew up in Oklahoma, so that's where I'm originally Mm -hmm. from. Went to school at Oklahoma State. Go Pokes for anyone out there. Um, And I got my degree in nutrition and dietetics. So growing up, my dad was a doctor. My mom was a nurse. My sister is now also a physician. So health has always been a huge part of our family. Um, When I was younger, my mom would always take me to the grocery store and teach me how to read the food labels. And she would say, these are kind of things that you need to look for. And so she really got me involved in food at a young age. Um, And also health was just always so big in our family. And so I think I just kind of took that and ran with it really. Mm -hmm. So I really started getting into like cooking and baking and making healthy swaps when I was in high school. And so... I knew after that, that I wanted to do that in college and really make that my career. Cause I was like, if I'm already excited about this and passionate about this, then I want to do that for the rest of my life. You know, might as well take something that I'm already passionate about. So got my degree in nutrition in college, um, and kind of thought that I wanted to work with athletes at that point. But then I started to kind of have health issues of my own, which really brought nutrition to the forefront and made me realize how important nutrition can be in our lives. So my freshman year of college, I actually um, figured out that I was gluten intolerant. And so that was... I mean, gluten is in so many things that we don't really realize. And having to cut that out and kind of learn about different things that had gluten and just kind of different ways that I can, um, take that out of my diet really even brought me back to nutrition again, because that's such a big part of what we do. And so just kind of different things in my life brought me back to nutrition, Mm -hmm. which even further instilled in me just the need to kind of do this for other people. Cause I think so many times nutrition is overcomplicated. And so in my practice, I really just want to help people understand nutrition and make it easier for them um, so that they can live their healthiest and best 
lives. Yeah. And and that's what's so frustrating for most people, right? Is that there's so much nutrition information out there. There's Mm -hmm. do the keto diet, go vegan, go paleo, do all these different fad nutrition diets. And one thing that we try to do with our nutrition practice is like you said, we try to simplify nutrition. We try to break it down Mm -hmm. into just getting to the root cause as to what's going in. And you had a pretty interesting diagnosis, which kind of brought you more on the functional medicine side, Mm -hmm. which using food as medicine to heal your body. And you had a diagnosis of polycystic ovarian syndrome. Mm -hmm. And for those who are listening and don't know what polycystic ovarian syndrome is, it's a hormonal imbalance that can lead to cysts on your ovaries. It can actually lead to having higher levels of male sex hormones or androgens in your body. It can lead to a lot of blood sugar issues and make you gain weight. Mm -hmm. So it's something that can be really, really frustrating. So um, tell us a little bit about how did you use nutrition to manage this diagnosis that is traditionally managed with medication? Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of want to start at the beginning with my actual diagnosis, because even the process for me to get diagnosed took years Mm. because unfortunately PCOS is almost like a blanket diagnosis because it's not one specific thing. You have to have two of the three criteria, which you already kind of touched on. So having irregular cycles or anovulatory cycles, um, is one criteria. Another one is going to be those excess androgens or those male sex hormones. And the last one is actually going to be the cysts on the ovaries. So people, some people who are diagnosed with PCOS may not actually even have cystic ovaries, which is kind of confusing and a little bit frustrating. But for me, I definitely had the irregular menstrual cycles. um, And then I had more of the high male sex hormones um, that kind of brought on acne and hair loss and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I went to doctor after doctor to try and get these things figured out. One doctor said that I wasn't eating enough. I needed to eat more because I was very active. Another doctor said that I needed to watch my weight because with kind of the symptoms that I was having... um, having weight gain and excessive weight is a problem. So two kind of differing opinions Mm -hmm. on that one. Um, Another doctor that I went to said, okay, well you have acne, so let's get you on birth control because that's going to regulate your hormones, Mm. right? Regulate your hormones with birth control. Yes, absolutely. So none of those things really helped and just made me even more frustrated because you know your body the best, Doctors are there to help you, but they don't know your body the way that you do. So I knew that there was something else going on. Um, And so my sister, when she was in medical school, she was learning at this time about polycystic ovarian syndrome. So I had to go to the doctor, get an ultrasound, get blood work done to be formally diagnosed with PCOS. And so when I got to that point, it was nice to have an actual diagnosis But once I got to that point, it's like, okay, well, what do you do now? And it doesn't really fix anything. It's like, okay, you have PCOS, take this birth control, take this medication, which we call a band-aid approach here at Rachel Shear Nutrition Practice, because it's really not fixing anything. It's not getting to the root cause Mm -hmm. as to why we have hormone imbalances, why we may have gut issues. So Mm -hmm. in your case, having the acne, the weight gain, we know that you had polycystic ovarian syndrome, you know, you had some cysts, you have higher levels of androgens, Mm -hmm. but why? So 
what are some things that cause PCOS? Yeah. So there's actually several different causes of PCOS. Um, one of them is going to be, um, kind of high stress levels. So we call it adrenal PCOS, which is Mm. kind of more of where I fall into line. So when you're under stress um, and your body is producing that DHEA, it's just, it causes an overproduction in those male sex hormones, um, which causes you to have kind of the acne, um, some of the hair loss, things like that. Um, so that's kind of one cause it's going to be that stress. So like cortisol. Yep. Cortisol. Cortisol is that that stress hormone. And we know that when cortisol is high and chronically elevated, that can make you create more male sex hormones, Mm -hmm. androgens, testosterone, leading to a lot of the acne and a lot Mm -hmm. of the symptoms you're experiencing. So, you know, we talk about stress a lot and how that can have a detrimental effect on our body, but it's crazy to even think of how it can impact your hormones Mm -hmm. as well too. So stress is one of those. Stress, all, all of that is really just tied in there. Um, the next one is going to be, um, you can actually start to have symptoms of PCOS coming off of the birth control pill mm. because your body starts to upregulate your male sex hormones, which leads to, again, more of those symptoms that you're having. So a different way that you can kind of develop those PCOS symptoms. Um, but that's kind of another cause you could say, um, another one is going to be insulin resistance. So when your body is producing high levels of insulin due to blood sugar imbalance, that again is going to cause your body to produce more of those male sex hormones, which just causes the kind of, um, those same symptoms. It can also come with weight gain, um, energy imbalances, things like that. So how does someone become insulin resistance? Because that's a word that's oftentimes thrown around all the time. And, you know, people come to us at a nutrition practice and they say, hey, I think I have a slow metabolism. I'm, you know, I'm working out, I'm eating better, I'm eating healthy, but I'm just struggling to lose weight. So what is insulin resistance and why does that cause people to gain weight and mm-hmm. lead to even things like hormonal imbalances? Yeah. Yeah. So when we eat food in the form of carbohydrates, it spikes our blood sugar. Now, sometimes this can be good, but over time, as we consistently spike our blood sugar, our fat storage hormone, which is insulin comes in to try and store that as fat. So it's normal to have some circulating glucose in your blood. You want a little bit kind of Mm -hmm. circulating all the time to keep you going, keep you energized. But when we constantly are overstimulating that and constantly having our insulin come in, it almost gets tired. And so over time we can become resistant to that Mm -hmm. insulin. And so we eat things, um, that maybe we used to eat a couple of years back that it just doesn't react the same way in our body anymore. We start to have that weight gain, especially around the midsection that can be very indicative of that insulin resistance. So what kind of foods, is it any kind of food that can cause high levels of insulin or what kind of foods do you see people overeating a lot of that is leading to the insulin resistance and ultimately in some cases with women, PCOS, because men Mm -hmm. and women both can get insulin resistance and lead to a slow metabolism um, and make it, have it trouble losing weight. Mm -hmm. Um, But how does, or what foods exactly cause insulin resistance and how long do you think that takes to develop it? 
Yeah, absolutely. So definitely the first thing is going to be more of those processed and refined carbohydrates because kind of at their core, it's really just sugar. Your body is able to easily break it down, um, those carbohydrates into sugar. So it's just a rapid spike in that blood sugar. Um, really kind of any form of carbohydrate can spike your blood sugar. It's just the amount, um, of increase that it has based on the food that you have. Also, another thing that we see that kind of over time has caused this dramatic rise in blood sugar and insulin resistance is we've taken out a lot of the fat sources Mm. from our foods. So if you kind of think back like 10, 15, maybe about 20 years ago when the low fat diet was all the rage. But fats make us fat, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. People would like to think so. But one of the things that I love to kind of debunk with people is how fats are actually essential. They're so beneficial, not only for our hormones, because we need fat, we need cholesterol. Yes, we need cholesterol. It's the backbone of all of our hormones, but not only does it help with that, but it helps to stabilize our blood sugar. So instead of just eating eating a carbohydrate by itself or kind of those sugars, more of those refined processed foods, when you pair that with a fat, it just stabilizes your blood sugar. And not only that, but you're not going to be under stress because your blood sugar is spiking. So that helps decrease the amount of cortisol that you're having. So everything really just kind of ties in together and has a different effect. Yeah. And oftentimes what we see too, is it's like not the carbs that are the problem, but people do a lot of carbs and then they neglect the fats, Mm -hmm. you know, they kind of demonize those fats Mm -hmm. and thinking they're bad because fats have nine calories per gram. So they're more calorie dense than Mm -hmm. carbohydrates than protein sources. So it's easier to kind of just look at the calories and think, Mm -hmm. okay, let's reduce fats in the diet so we can get in a more calorie deficit but yet we still can't lose weight doing Mm -hmm, it, right? mm -hmm. And the crazy thing is that when people start to add more fat into their diet, yes, it may be scary kind of in the beginning because like you said, fat has more calories. It's more than double what carbs or protein has. But when they start to add those fats back in, they're seeing a trend where, I'm not hungry two hours after I eat. I don't need to constantly snack. I'm not hangry when I get home from work. So I don't have to rummage through the pantry and eat anything in sight because that fat helps stabilize everything. It helps keeps you full. It promotes that satiety. So it just keeps everything more balanced and more level. Yes, it may be more calories in that meal, But when you kind of look at the full picture of the day, if you're not having those constant stacks, if you're not like grabbing a bite here and there, it really kind of evens out, maybe even being less because you're only having to eat three, maybe four meals a day. Yeah. So everyone should be getting fats in their diet. Mm -hmm. And another approach we do is, you know, carbs, we do need those in their diet and Mm -hmm. we don't neglect them, but the amount of carbs just depends on a, how active you are. Mm -hmm. B, if you're trying to focus on weight loss, if you're trying to maintain, if you're trying to gain weight, all of those factors are going to vary the amount of carbohydrates, but we can't neglect 
having these good healthy fats in the diet because Mm -hmm. in the long run it leads to like you said it leads to blood sugar imbalances it can lead Mm -hmm. to hormone imbalances because most of our hormones are made from cholesterol which we get from our diet as well too Mm -hmm. and then it also we get a lot of these healthy fats in our diet which also help keep inflammation low things like Mm -hmm. salmon fatty cuts of fish olives olive oil nuts and seeds that we try to incorporate you know and I get asked quite a bit you know if I do a keto diet and I I wouldn't even go to that extreme. Mm -hmm. Like you don't need to do keto, but we can't neglect the fats. And even if you're an athlete, we need to get in these fats because especially like they're very important for your hormone production. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we see athletes doing proteins, veggie, carbohydrates, which there's nothing wrong with that, but we have to get in these fats for Mm -hmm. the blood sugar and the hormone production as well too. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned a four different types of PCOS. We talked about insulin resistance. We talked about, you know, after you maybe coming off of birth control, mm-hmm. um, we talked about adrenal. What would be the third one that we see quite a bit? Yeah. So that last one, which you just kind of mentioned would be inflammation. So mm. chronic inflammation in the body, whether it be coming from different stressors, maybe the standard American diet in our practice, we call it the sad <laughs> diet because it's, it's very, sad. <laughs> honestly, it's very high in those processed carbohydrates, refined pro-inflammatory seed oils. So we want to take those out because that chronic inflammation, that chronic pressure on the body can again cause us to overproduce those male sex hormones. So inflammation can also lead to a lot of these hormone imbalances. What foods can cause inflammation? Because a lot of what we also do here is put a lot of people on anti-inflammatory diets. And Mm -hmm. probably the first two things we do with all of our clients is we need to balance blood sugar. Mm-hmm. We need to get you on an anti-inflammatory diet. So let's talk a little bit about what those foods consist of. What are typically pro-inflammatory foods? And then what are the anti-inflammatory foods that we try to focus on with mm-hmm. getting more in with our clients' diets? Yeah, absolutely. So I think sometimes people just want the quick fix or the easy answer. And they say, what anti-inflammatory foods can I add? What antioxidant foods can I add? Which yes, those are great things to add. And I'll touch on that in a minute. But like you said, we want to focus on removing the pro-inflammatory foods, because if you have all these pro-inflammatory foods and you're trying to fight it by throwing on those anti-inflammatory foods, it's not going to help you in the long run. We want that balanced diet that's going to help control blood sugar and things like that. So pro-inflammatory foods are really going to be lots of those processed foods that you're getting. Unfortunately, they're just heavy laden with chemicals, preservatives, additives, gums, fillers, dyes, really the list can go on. Um, And our body just doesn't process those things very well. It doesn't really recognize them as food. And so we need to remove those things to help our body to get back into more of that balanced state. Um, Also, lots of the refined seed oils like canola, safflower, um, rapeseed oil. Mm -hmm. All these things are higher in the omega-6s, which are going to be those pro-inflammatory fatty acids. So we want to remove those things as much as we can. Also, even when it comes down to things like grain-fed meats, um, because when the animals that we're eating are eating foods that aren't necessarily good for them. It just kind of goes up the food chain. So we're getting all those pro-inflammatory things as well. So we want to focus on grass-fed, pasture-raised, free-range, things like that. 
So it's not just the food we eat, it's we are what our food eats mm-hmm. as well too. That matters. And, you know, we oftentimes get people who come in who are vegan and, and vegetarian and we mm-hmm. completely respect anyone who does that for religious or ethical reasons. But when it comes down to eating what's going to be best for your biology mm-hmm. versus your ideology, you know, there's nothing wrong with having meat in the diet, but I think a lot of people just don't know the difference between grain-fed, grass-fed, and Mm -hmm. even grass-fed finished because you can even have a cow that's fed on grass and then finished on grains and it's still going to have a lot more of those pro-inflammatory omega-6 fatty Mm -hmm. acids in it as well too. So, you know, we have a lot of these documentaries that come out and say like, hey, meat is bad for you, don't eat it, which... Yes, most conventional processed mm-hmm. meat is really bad for yes, you. Yes, we you know? agree with that. Yeah, like we agree you should not be eating that. And they're like mm-hmm. plant-based diet, eat a plant-based diet. Yes, we also agree mm-hmm. with that too. You should Absolutely. be eating a plant-based diet. And a lot of what we do is like getting it down to the basics. Like our, our diet should be plant-based, but it should also have some animal protein in it because mm-hmm. we miss out on a lot of the amino acids that we can't get from plant-based sources that Absolutely. we need for our muscle mass to maintain our metabolism. Mm-hmm. Um, we need it for our gut as well, too. Our gut needs a lot of um, amino acids to keep our gut lining intact. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of people with gut issues. Mm-hmm. Lots um, of leaky gut. A lot of leaky gut, which sometimes can come from not getting enough protein or even people who suffer with things like anxiety, depression as well too. And we actually need a lot of these amino acids, things Mm -hmm. like um, L-tryptophan, L-tyrosine, which all come from these animal protein sources, which Mm -hmm. are amino acids to create things like serotonin and dopamine. So oftentimes we get people then who, you know, they go to maybe a plant-based diet, Um, but then it's going to be really high in a lot of those carbohydrates as well too. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're doing things that are a bit more inflammatory like soy, Mm -hmm. um, and we're not getting enough amino acids. Now you can definitely eat a healthy plant-based diet and an unhealthy plant-based diet, just like you can eat animal meat, um, and eat a very sad diet, standard American diet. Mm -hmm. And then you can also eat animal protein and it be plant-based with some Mm -hmm. animal protein in it. And then having a lot of those healthy fats in it. So it's kind of just, I mean, getting rid of a lot of the, um, I'd like to say misinformation mm-hmm. out there at the surrounding around diet and demonizing a lot of these different food groups. And, you know, a lot of what we try to talk about too is, you know, real food, yes. a whole food based mm-hmm. diet. So what do you recommend or what is like the typical diet that you give to your clients? Yeah, absolutely. Is it the same for most people or does it differ? So to that, I'll say it depends because every body is going to be a little bit different. So their nutrition recommendations are going to be a little bit different. Like you said before, how active are they? How old are they? What are their goals? Are they looking to gain weight, to lose weight? All those things have a factor But when it comes down to it, I had a client ask me, what is like the number one nutrition recommendation that you would give to people? Which is so hard because as a dietitian, like food is my life. So I feel like I could give 20 different tips and tricks for people. Mm -hmm. But just kind of going back to what we've talked about is just eat whole foods. That's, That's the thing that I would recommend to anybody. And even to dive a little bit further into that, like what is a whole food? I had that question the other day and it's a great question. A whole food is just going to be 
a single ingredient food, an apple, a banana, green beans, lettuce, turkey. All these things are single ingredient foods the way that we were meant to eat them. Everything is packaged so well in that with all the micronutrients that we need, um, healthy fats, good protein. When you add all those things together, those whole foods, our body is really able to utilize all those nutrients and everything that we need from that. It And it just helps with everything else to reduce inflammation, to help balance blood sugar, just by eating real whole foods. Yeah. And a basic rule of thumb, we always tell our clients is if it comes in a bag or a box or has a long list of ingredients, it's probably not going to be the Mm -hmm. best option for you. Now, Mm -hmm. there's definitely a time and place where not like you can never touch foods that have an ingredients list on it, but the majority of our diet should be real whole foods. It Mm -hmm. should be high quality protein, grass fed, wild Mm -hmm. caught, pasture raised. It should be, you know, getting organic fruits, vegetables in the diet, Mm -hmm. um, getting a lot of those healthy fats that we talked about to balance our blood sugar. And oftentimes when we get people back to the basics, which is just real food, it's amazing as to how it clears up a lot of their issues, Mm -hmm. the inflammation, sometimes even hormone imbalances. But of course, like you said, everybody is completely different. So Mm -hmm. the amount of protein you need, if we do need to add in more starches or carbohydrates, if you're an athlete, and then also if you have any underlying condition as Mm -hmm. well too, that we're trying to pinpoint or we're trying to get to the root cause of. So, you know, we can do so much with nutrition, but sometimes we don't have all of the information we need. And Mm -hmm. that's where we use functional medicine nutrition testing at our practice where it goes beyond just, you know, eat these foods. We can actually look at foods that your body doesn't do well with, that Mm -hmm. it's producing antibodies to, that you're maybe sensitive to. We can look at things like your gut microbiome Mm -hmm. and we can look at if, you know, how much good bacteria you have, things like probiotics, if we're low in any of those, if we have an overabundance of bad bacteria, things like yeast, candida, we can look at, you know, what's going on with your hormones and not even just your sex hormones, but things like your insulin. If there's insulin resistance, Mm -hmm. we can look at your thyroid. If we can look at, um, we can look at your cortisol, your stress hormones, which all are going to play a role in your overall health and wellness. So we can really fine tune the nutrition that way and we can use supplements Mm -hmm. and I don't know about you, but when I graduated um, from Baylor in nutrition, I used to believe that like supplements just meant expensive pee. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think like to an extent, if you're just taking a ton of different supplements and you have no idea what they're for, mm-hmm. you know, that there is some truth to that. But, you know, if we know exactly what's off, supplements can actually be very, very purposeful in mm-hmm. the diet. And because the reality is, you know, we're not eating like our ancestors were, we're hunter and gatherers. Mm-hmm. And most of us, we probably eat like 10, 15 different foods. Mm-hmm. Like I can count all the foods I eat on probably my two hands. Yes. Very much creature of habit for me. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's okay. You know, and the same thing with a lot of athletes, you know, we don't eat a very diverse diet, which mm-hmm. means we may be missing a lot of the essential micronutrients, omega-3 mm-hmm. fatty acids. And then sometimes, you know, genetics in our gut, you know, and absorption plays a role as well too, as mm-hmm. for what we can utilize. So when we do a lot of these testing, we can really pinpoint what's going on with your hormones, your gut, what foods you may be sensitive 
sensitive to, you know, is there any kind of inflammation or mm-hmm. insulin resistant as to what's going on? So, you know, how, how do you like implement the functional lab testing with a lot of your clients and how have you found that to be useful? Yeah. So I think it really kind of depends on the different symptoms that they're having. Um, and the way that I really describe that to my clients is I say, okay, we can do so much through nutrition. We can get you started on a great plan. We can reduce that inflammation. We can start to balance the blood sugar, but through the lab testing, it's really just going to give us that microscopic view into what's happening inside the body. Because from the outside, we can't see kind of what food intolerances you're having. Maybe we can see that maybe there is some leaky gut just because maybe you have some bloating. Maybe you have um, some intestinal upset. Maybe there's like some acne or something going on. So we can tell that there's something else going on, but using the lab testing just helps us to get that full spectrum microscopic view into what's going on inside. And it also helps us to kind of make things go a little bit faster because instead of just kind of trying everything that we can, we can pinpoint exactly what's going on within the body. Um, and we say this all the time in our practice, we would rather test than guess mm-hmm. because we want to know what's happening inside. Maybe for a time we do need to get you on those targeted supplements to kind of help your body heal. And then over time, maybe start to wean off of those once you have the diet and the lifestyle factors down. But the testing really just gives us that internal microscopic view into things that you wouldn't be able to see surface level. Yeah. And it's the difference between conventional medicine, which is more of that band-aid approach, Mm -hmm. which is just focus on reducing the symptoms, like with you putting you on birth control because of the acne, because of Mm -hmm. the weight gain and the heavy menstrual cycle. And, you know, for, for those who know my story, I had a lot of gut issues. And for me, it was putting me on things like an antidepressant, putting me on, um, even like laxatives because I couldn't use the restroom anymore. And all of these are focused on the symptoms, but not the root cause. So that's what's so amazing about functional medicine is we're actually focused on the root cause. Mm -hmm. Why do we have a problem in the first place and what can we do to restore function? And there's, there are certain circumstances where medication is necessary, Mm -hmm. but most of the time we can do things with diet and we can actually repair the hormones. We can make these lifestyle changes and we can use very targeted supplements, like Mm -hmm. you said, to help support our system because, you know, we can be missing a lot of the building blocks we need for proper healing. And it's amazing what the body can do to heal itself when it's given the proper support with the nutrition and the missing micronutrients. And like you said, we make a lot of those lifestyle changes. Mm So, you know, for anyone who's wanting to figure out the root cause of what's going on, we see a lot of people with, you know, gut issues, hormone imbalances, um, metabolic issues, trouble losing weight. Those Mm -hmm. are very common. Even acne, we get a lot of with our nutrition practice, Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. Yeah. So we can really pinpoint that root cause and work on things with nutrition. Now it's not as easy as pop in a pill, like a medication. Mm -hmm. But I think what we've also found is, you know, someone may come in with something like 
the gut. And they may fix a lot of other things wrong in the process. I actually Mm -hmm. had um, a client who had rosacea and she didn't come to me for rosacea, but she came to me because she had a lot of gut issues. And what we found out is she had a lot of bacteria overgrowth in the gut. Mm -hmm. She had candida, which was yeast. She had a lot of leaky gut and food sensitivities. She was missing a lot of her omega-3 fatty acids as well too, Mm -hmm. to help keep inflammation low. So what we did is we focused on repairing that gut microbiome. We cut out a lot of the foods she was sensitive to. We replaced her uh, body with a lot of the missing micronutrients, Mm -hmm. things like zinc, which is really good for repairing the gut. We gave her a lot of those omega-3s back into her diet, which helped reduce inflammation in the gut. Um, We ended up doing uh, some things to remove some of the bacteria overgrowths, Mm -hmm. which we do sometimes, which are like different types of antimicrobials, oil of oregano, berberine. And then over time, we were able to add back in the good bacteria, a lot of the probiotics that she was low in. But what was so amazing is she had a dramatic reduction in a lot of her her symptoms, which were bloating and constipation and brain Mm -hmm. fog when she came in. But she also had this rosacea and it fixed the rosacea in the process Mm -hmm. too, which is so crazy to think. And she didn't come in for that reason, but we know that an imbalance in the gut bacteria can even affect things like the skin. So I think Mm -hmm. that's what's so cool about what we do is we're not just putting a bandaid over all of these different symptoms. We're fixing the root issue and we're fixing a lot of other things in the process and the symptoms, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I've had several clients come in to me and say, I didn't realize how bad I felt because I feel so good now. You know, they came into me and maybe they weren't feeling their best, but you know, it was livable. They could kind of make it day to day. But once we started making some of the changes and really diving in deep into kind of what was going on, they were like, I feel amazing now. And I didn't even know that that was possible. Like you said, our body really wants to be in balance and it doesn't like being sick. It doesn't like being overweight. It doesn't like having hormone issues. So if we just support the body and find out the root cause through the testing, we can pinpoint exactly what's going on and help the body function optimally, which is really what it wants. That is so incredible. So what are some supplements that you think everybody should be on because there's a lot of different supplements. And like we talked about, we use supplements quite a bit with our nutrition practice. And a lot of them are very Mm -hmm. individualized and tailored to whether we're dealing with a hormonal imbalance, whether we're working on somebody's gut, whether we're, you know, just replacing essential micronutrients or working on inflammation. Mm -hmm. Um, But we do think there are some core supplements that everybody should be on. So what are some of those supplements that you would recommend that people could even get on listening here today? Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing that I would recommend is going to be really good, high quality omega-3 fish oil. Um, I say high quality because some of the ones you can buy at the grocery store or at your local supplement store are not going to be the best quality. If you put it in the freezer and it comes out cloudy, that's not a great fish oil. It's Mm -hmm. probably gone rancid and it's not going to give you those beneficial anti-inflammatory effects, which we want from that omega-3. So having those omega-3s in your diet through the fatty fish, some of the nuts is going to be great, but just as an added benefit, having that good high quality fish oil would be one that I would recommend for sure. And it's because we talked about most people get a lot more of these 
pro-inflammatory mm-hmm. fatty acids when their diet. They're getting, and maybe they're not cooking with things like canola oil or vegetable oils at home, but when we eat maybe more processed foods in our diet, or we even eat out a mm-hmm. bit more, oftentimes most of those restaurants are cooking in canola oils and vegetable mm-hmm. oils. They're the cheap fats and they have a very high cooking temperature. So they're very, very easy to cook with, but they're terrible, terrible yes. <laughs> for our health as we've seen. So when we do lab testing, a lot of people come back with high levels of things like arcadonic acid, which is mm-hmm. one of those pro-inflammatory omega-6 fatty acids. And then they're low in a lot of those omega-3 fatty acids. Mm-hmm. So we try to add those back into the diet uh, where most people are low in them, but we can actually even get some added benefit from taking it from a supplement too. And um, even if someone's trying to add in a lot of fish to their diet, you know, and they're doing a lot of things like tuna or even mackerel. Mm -hmm. Those can even have things like a lot of uh, mercury in them as well too. We don't really know the exact ratio of the Mm -hmm. omega-3 EPA to DHA that are in those fish. So we just say, hey, take a high quality omega-3 fish oil, EPA, DHA Mm -hmm. in your diet and you know, having fish occasionally, that's going to be low mercury fish. Things like salmon are really great. Yeah, absolutely. So that would definitely be the first supplement that I would recommend. The next one is going to be vitamin D. So this is especially important because vitamin D is essential for hormone production. Um, It's also essential for kind of our mood balance. So lots of people um, get what's called seasonal affective disorder, which is where they become deficient in vitamin D during the winter months. So it's really hard for us to synthesize enough vitamin D unless you're going outside naked for 30 minutes every day. It's going to be hard for your body to produce enough of that vitamin D. Yes, you do get kind of trace amounts in some foods, but the majority is going to be from that conversion on your skin through the sun. So taking that vitamin D supplement is just going to ensure that you're up on those levels. And I'd say probably about nine out of 10 people that we do lab testing on comes back with a vitamin D deficiency Mm -hmm. unless they're already on some type of a supplementation. But what's great about the lab testing too is we can figure out what dose amount of vitamin Mm -hmm. D they may Mm -hmm. need because the absorption can sometimes be an issue as well too. Do they need 5,000 IUs? Do they need Mm 10,000 IUs? And what's going to be the best dose for them to reach that optimal level of vitamin D to help them with their mood, to help Mm -hmm. them with their energy levels, to help them with um, their immune immune system as well too, which is really important with vitamin D. So we have the omega-3s and we have vitamin D. Mm -hmm. And then the last one, um, kind of the third that I would recommend to people is just going to be a really good multivitamin. So I kind of call this our insurance policy, right? So like you said before, in, especially in America, our diet is not that diverse. I, I almost pride myself on having a pretty diverse diet, But again, I could probably count on two, three hands, the different types of of foods that I eat consistently every day. Um, So just having that really good quality multivitamin is going to ensure that we're up on all those micronutrients and all those good beneficial things that we need. Um, And it's always good to have an insurance policy. You know, Mm -hmm. it's never a bad thing to kind of have those extra vitamins and minerals. Those are all beneficial things that we can have. But not like a gummy multivitamin, right? (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, those those sugar sugar treats are not going to be not going to be the best for you. 
Yeah. So a uh, good omega-3 fish oil, vitamin mm-hmm. D, multivitamin, and everything else is kind of tailored to that person. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we can even do a lot of supplementation that helps with balancing the hormones and avoiding medications as well mm-hmm. too. And it just all kind of depends on, you know, what someone comes in with their symptoms mm-hmm. then what comes back with the lab testing as well too. So, um, where can people learn more about what you do as a dietitian here at our nutrition practice? Because you post amazing recipes. I don't know if you guys go and look at my page, I'm like the science nerd and I post just like all these diagrams on the Rachel's your nutrition. And I'm all about the science side of it, but I am not creative at all. Like if, and I, don't take pictures of my food very often because it's not pretty. It's very much just, you know, (laughs) food is fuel type mentality. But if you go to your Instagram, I mean, you have all these recipes and food ideas and I don't know how you do it, but where can people find out more information about you and check out some of these incredible recipes that you post every single Mm -hmm. day and also learn more about working with you as a coach, whether that be through nutrition coaching or some of this lab testing that we talked about. Yeah, absolutely. So my Instagram is going to be Christine dot the dietitian dietitian spelled with two T's, not a T and a C. Um, so you can find me there. Um, check out my page. I post, um, I try and post a recipe like every other day. Um, and then I'll also post often about the nutrition coaching and really just kind of different tips for you just in starting your fitness and health journey. Um, if you go to my Instagram page, you can click the link in my bio to sign up for coaching. Um, you can also read more about me as a coach on Rachel's website. That's going to be rachelshare.com. So you can just read a little bit more about me and my story. Um, definitely sign up for coaching with me um, because we just want to be your advocate and we want to be that accountability partner for you, which is why I think the coaching is so important. Yeah. And for anyone who wants to get to the root cause Mm -hmm. of what's going on with their body or even optimize too, it doesn't always have to be like you come in with any major symptoms. We Mm -hmm. just had uh, a lot of um, basketball players that came in here earlier today that play for the NBA Mm -hmm. and, you know, we're going to help them optimize their diet, increase their performance that much better, but they didn't come in with any major issues as well too. So, you know, incredible information here. And if you guys are interested in learning more about Christine, if you just want to hear, get some great free recipes that she posts every single day, go check out her Instagram. Um, we'll be posting that here in the comments below. And if you want to get more information about working with Christine or doing some functional wellness lab testing, um, you can go to our Instagram click the application and we do free 15 minute phone consults because we take it very seriously with the clients that we work with. We Mm want to make sure we're a good fit for each other. We want to make sure that we can help meet what your goals are and also really get to understand what it is that you're wanting to address, Mm -hmm. what it is that we're trying to accomplish and figure out what may be the best option for you in terms of nutrition, in terms of lab testing. So those are completely free if you're interested in Mm -hmm. doing one of those 15 minute calls with us. So thank you guys for tuning in and listening today. It's been a pleasure. This has been Sheer Health. And thank you so much for coming on today, Christine. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye-bye.